well, here goes nothing. Uh, how we doing today? Everybody good? Transitional Sunday. Uh, many of you have asked about my housing situation. Oh, by the way, I know that the worship guide says that we're going to read the scripture first, but transition, we're not going to do that first. Many of you have asked about my housing situation, and it actually has to do with what we're talking about today. So I thought I would start by briefly filling you in, and I promise I'm going to try to do it briefly because it is not a brief story. We packed up our house in Liberty almost three weeks ago at this point. We fit all of our worldly possessions into two U-Haul trucks and a minivan, and we caravaned our way out here to St. Louis. My husband, Aaron, was in the lead with the big U-Haul truck and towing our smaller car. My mom was in the minivan in the middle with our three children and our ridiculously large dog. And I was pulling up the rear in the smaller U-Haul. And when we left our house that morning, we were set to close at 2.30 p.m., and when we arrived in St. Louis at around, oh, 2.15 p.m., we were told that we would not be able to close on our house. And more than that, they did not have a timeline for when we could close on our house. See, the people buying our house in Liberty had a person buying their house, and that person's funding fell through, which means our people's funding was up in the air. And since their funding was up in the air, we couldn't buy our house here because if their funding fell through, then we'd be paying two mortgages, and we were not approved for that, and it was... A domino disaster. So we don't know where to go, so we pulled up our little caravan right out here in front of the church because it was the only place I knew in St. Louis. So we pulled our, our caravan up here and started realizing what this meant. We had no house, which not only meant that we had nowhere to stay that night, but it also meant that we had nowhere to put our stuff. And we had to return the U-Haul trucks the next day. So we thought, okay, well, we could pay a little bit extra and delay the trucks for a few more days, but there was no guarantee that we were going to have a house in a few more days. And in fact, like I said earlier, there was no timeline for solving this at all. So we had nowhere to live, nowhere to put our stuff, nowhere to stay that night, no timeline for when this was going to get fixed. Oh, and by the way, I have a kid who needs to be in school. Oh, and by the way, there's a 200-pound dog stinking up the back of my minivan. And I'd really like to get him out of there. It was what I lovingly call a dumpster fire. And it became evident that this was not going away. That God was not going to swoop in and do a miracle and make it all immediately better and let us get into our house that night. This is not what was going to happen. So I was pondering all of this, pondering the nature of transitions and the nature of God in the midst of transitions, and then I discovered that today is known as Christ the King Sunday, or Reign of Christ Sunday. Reign of Christ Sunday is the last Sunday in the Christian calendar year. The Christian calendar starts over again at Advent, and next Sunday is week one of Advent, which I'm going to stop right now and make a plug. I hope you'll come back next Sunday for week one of Advent. Dayspring does the hanging of the green in the midst of the Sunday morning service. I've never done it that way before, but it sounds exciting. I think it's going to be a really joyful day, and I hope you will all be able to come back if you're not traveling for Thanksgiving. I hope you'll be able to come back and join us for that next Sunday. But Reign of Christ Sunday, since next week is the first Sunday of the new year, this today is almost like the church's New Year's Eve. It's a transitional Sunday where we look back 
and reflect on the year that has come before us and where we look ahead with anticipation on what's coming next. And it's called Reign of Christ because at the end of the year, at the culmination of a year's worth of worship, it's the Sunday where we make a point to proclaim again who we are. And whose we are. Who is the ruler of our lives? Who is the head of this church? In whom do we place our trust and our hope? And in what better day to celebrate Reign of Christ Sunday than this day when we ourselves as a congregation are in transition? So I've divided our text today from Colossians into two different sections, and we're going to read it together today, but we're going to start with the second section, which is uh, verse 15. So if you've got your Bible, you can pull it out to Colossians 1.15. I'm going to read it together for us right now. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. That is an early church hymn that my Bible titles it the supremacy of Christ. And it was a hymn that the early church sang to remind them to proclaim again their belief that Christ really does reign over all the world. So when we pulled our caravan up out here in front of the church, I remember thinking over and over, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? We have nowhere to stay tonight. What do I do? My mom is here. This is not the best time for that. What do I do? We've got our three children. We've got our dog. Where do we put our stuff? What do I do? What do I do? What about the trucks? What do I do? It was becoming this panic. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I had this moment. I experienced this shift, and I cannot explain it. I just think it was an act of grace. Where I went from, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, to what do I know? What do I know? Well, I know that God is always present and at work. I know that God cares more about my family than I do. I know that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I know that he holds all things together. I know that God is our refuge and strength, like Michael read for us earlier, an ever-present help in times of trouble. I did not know what I was going to do. I didn't know if it was going to be okay. But that's the nature of transitions, right? The past is gone, the future is still uncertain, and we can't know what's coming next. But we can know Christ. We can know what is true about our God. We can remember that the one who holds all things together is also holding us. And that doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay, and that everything's going to work out exactly the way we want it to. 
And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be simple or smooth or easy, and we're going to have no problems for the rest of our lives. I wish it meant that. That would be fantastic. That's not what it means. The shift from what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, to what do I know wasn't a shift in my outside circumstances. It didn't change my situation at all. But it was a shift inside of me. A shift that influenced how I viewed those circumstances, how I responded to them. And it all came from that foundation of Christ, of knowing who he is, of knowing God through him, of trusting that the Holy Spirit is present with us and never leaving us and never forsaking us. Those things we say all the time in church. Now, lest you think I'm super holy, let's pause for a second, because Jesse Fillingham is my realtor. And if you still are in touch with her, you can call her up and she can tell you about how she had to serve as my therapist occasionally, my spiritual director, hand me a tissue, talk me down from my anxiety-ridden conversations. It has not been an easy transition. But all of those things that we know to be true about Christ when life is good and happy and easy are still true, even when things are hard, even in the dumpster fire. We're not in our house yet, by the way. We were supposed to close on Friday, and then we found out on Thursday that that got moved to Monday. And then we found out on Friday that it has now been moved to Tuesday, but maybe Wednesday. Um, so, you know, who knows? Um, but I will tell you that I have been amazed at how God has provided for us in the midst of this dumpster fire through the church, acting as the body of Christ, through individuals, through people and other churches also doing the same thing. So when we talk about Reign of Christ Sunday, about a day at the end of our liturgical year where we remember again our firm foundation and what sustains us and what holds us up, it matters. It matters because we will have moments of transition where we can't go back, but we don't know what's ahead. Moments of difficulty and uncertainty, moments where we need to ask ourselves again, what do we know? What is true? And it matters in the life of our church. It matters here for Dayspring as we ourselves embark on this new season, not just with a new pastor, but what every church is going through coming out of the pandemic. We don't know what things are going to look like. We know they're not going to look the way they did before the pandemic, but we're still not sure what the long-term effects are. There's a lot we don't know for us, too. Hopefully it's all good things. But we can ask ourselves, even as a congregation, what do we know? What do we know no matter what? So this is where I'm landing right now. I should have titled this sermon, A Working Theology of Transitions, because, you know, it's still up in the air. There's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know in transitions. There are no guarantees, but we do know Christ. A working theology. However, I am a firm believer that our theology, any theology, shouldn't just stop at what we believe or even what we know, but it should also impact how we live. I think we, as followers of Christ, need to discuss theology. We need to be thoughtful and intentional to have a healthy understanding of God in as much as any of us can understand God. But theology is just a resounding gong or a clanging symbol if it doesn't actually make a difference in how we live in this world. So, as I work through this theology of transitions, but we can know in the midst of all the things, I ask myself, how then do we function 
if we don't know what to do, what guides us? Where are we supposed to go next? And actually, I think that the other section of our verses speak to this. So, if you want to pull that Bible back out, we're going to go back to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read to you from verses 11 through 14. And actually, I'm going to start back again at 9. Here's what it says. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. May you be prepared to endure everything with patience. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here are some key phrases that stuck out to me in that. May you be filled with the knowledge of God. May you be filled with spiritual wisdom. May you be made strong. May you walk worthy of the Lord. May you have endurance and patience. All these things in this prayer for the Colossians are forward thinking. Here's what we hope for you for the future. May you have these things. But then in verse 12, it shifts. And Paul says, joyfully giving thanks. And then he starts listing things that came before. For what God has done for us. Because God redeemed us. Because God transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. Because God forgave us. Because God reconciled it. This little prayer does a really good job of holding both the past and the future together. Intention at the same time. When my husband and I... Moved to California, which we did after we graduated from college. We went to seminary out in California. I had lived in Texas my entire life. So California was like a brand new world, okay? There were so many things that I had never experienced when I lived in Texas. Things like palm trees, um, Democrats, that wasn't really a thing. Um, and there was this one restaurant that we went to with our seminary students that I had never been to before. And it quickly became a place where everybody went. We would move the tables together, we'd study. They were open early, they were open late. It's where I came to write so many of my essays. And this magical restaurant was called Panera. Okay. And it's still one of my favorite restaurants. And then I move here, okay? You guys. I don't know what's going on. You have Panera. You have, you say, tell me what it's called. Yes, okay, I heard multiple. I heard the Bread Co. I heard that over here. Okay, so I was like, what is this St. Louis Bread Company thing? And I was sitting there earlier this week because I had a meeting with Angie there, and I wrote some of this sermon there because it's still my favorite place to go. And I was like, okay, this is... This is like, like basically, basically Panera. Panera. I mean, the, the cup, cup says, says Panera. Panera. This is fine. We're going to be okay. And then there's this woman in this booth beside me who's on the phone. Someone's at her house and she's just telling them, I'm just five minutes away at the Bread Co. I'm just five, I'm at the Bread Co. It's just around the corner. I'm at the Bread Co. And she just kept saying this phrase over and over. The Bread Co. The Bread Co. comes like, what is this place? I don't know what is happening to my life anymore. Just hearing her say this over and over. Being in this place that felt so familiar, and yet I could not escape the fact that this is very different. 
I'm not in the same season of life I was when I first discovered Panera. It's not in the same state. I have kids now, and this woman is calling it the Branco. Like, I just had this moment of things are so different. This is a transition. It's another thing that makes transitions complex. Because when I was going through this moment, I thought about those times in seminary. Staying up late with the friends, doing the study groups, working on the papers. And I thought about those times with such fondness, and it made me smile. And then there was also a little bit of grief, because that's not reality anymore. Even though things are good, even though I love my life now, that's just not what it was. So there was thankfulness and gratitude and joy, and also a little bit of what no longer existed, a little bit of grief. And I think transitions are like that. Even if outside circumstances are not dumpster fires, even if everything seems good, they come with mental and emotional heaviness, gratitude, but also maybe grief, excitement for the future, but also maybe nervousness. It's hard to hold all of these things together. And sometimes I think we're, we're tempted to pick one over the other, to only look backwards wanting the past or to forget the past and only look towards the future because it's just easier than trying to hold all of these emotions and thoughts at the same time. But the good news in our transitions, for us as individuals and for us as a congregation, for us as Dayspring, is that we can hold all of these things together. We can remember and honor and be grateful for what has come before us, even if it brings a little bit of grief. We can be excited and anticipating and hopeful for what, is, for what is coming next, even if that comes with a little bit of nervousness, because it's a transition. The Christ who is before all things, who holds all these things together, the Jesus who is the head of this body, this church, is still the one who holds all these things together for us, too. We can look backwards with happiness, Maybe a bit of grief with gratitude. We look forward with excitement, maybe a bit of nervousness with hope. But we can rest assured that God is both behind us and before us. That Jesus is our foundation, the rock on which we stand, that the Spirit of God is present with us and active in the world today, leading us into what's next. We can hold both things together because here at Day Spring, with open hearts and open minds, there is room for all of it. And we're actually going to practice this together today. Today in this transitional Sunday, I've got a little thing that I want to invite you to do. Everybody, when you've got your worship guide, should have seen that there's a little piece of paper inside of it. If you share worship guides or if you didn't get a piece of paper, I've recruited a few people who can pass out a few more. So does anyone need one? Just raise your hand really quickly and we'll come around. Kathy's got it. We're just going to hold these up. So this is just a cute little piece of Christmas scrapbook paper. There are also, by the way, Sharpies at the end of every pew. There should be one on each end or at least one on one end. Who else needs paper? We've got those hands up. So here's what I would like for you to do today. Here's what you are invited to do. Stephanie is going to come up and play for us in just a second. And while she plays, she's going to lead us into the next hymn. But before we start singing, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about both these things. Think about what you are grateful for, for the things that have come before. 
and write that on one side of your scrap of paper. I don't care which side it is. And then I also want you to think about what you're hopeful for in the future, what you're excited about that's coming next, and write that on the other side of the scrap of paper. And then you don't have to put your name on it, but at the end of the hymn, we're going to collect these, and I'm going to do something creative with them between now and next week, and you just have to come back and see what that's going to look like. But pick a side, write what you're grateful for on one side, write what you're hopeful for on the next. And if you're joining us online, you can do this in the comment section. And then throughout the week, one of us will take what you've written and I'll put it on a piece of paper and we'll include yours in this for next week when we use it in our worship guide. Ready? okay? We're going to pray together. Stephanie's going to lead us in an intro and then we'll sing and sing our hymn. Pray with me first, please. You are the God of hope and the God of peace and the God who sustains us and you are the God of our transitions. We are grateful that even when we don't know what's coming next, we know who holds all things together. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of this congregation, for the privilege of knowing that you reign over this entire world, for the privilege of getting to live our lives working and active with you. Thank you for being a God who loves us, who provides for us, who is present with us, whether things are great or whether things are not. As we look backwards with gratitude, we thank you, God, for everything that has come before. And as we look forward with anticipation, we thank you, God, for everything you're going to do next. Thank you for being the one who helps us hold all these things together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.